So, hi, my name is Kyle Harmon, and I'm the worship pastor here at Pine Lake Covenant, and we're going to have a little time of um, relational time, so there's some snacks out, uh, some donuts. Go ahead and grab those, talk to each other, but while, while you're talking, we have one question up here that's going to go on the screen. What is your favorite Christmas movie, okay? Now's your chance. Go, get some donuts, get some drinks, talk about that, talk amongst yourselves. See you in five minutes. Welcome back. Come on back. Come on back. Come on back. Well, uh, welcome back. Welcome back. Great job. Hey, A++ in terms of relational time. You, you guys, that was the loudest relational time I've heard in a long time. It's great. I love it. Um, but it's good to be here with you this morning. Again, I, my name is Kyle Harmon, and uh, it's so it's so good to be here at Pine Lake Covenant. I'm the worship pastor here, and I just want to start by saying that it's an honor to be asked to, to preach to uh, for you and with you, um, especially during Advent, because it is such like, it's a magical season, right? Advent is so magical. There's twinkly lights and presents and Christmas trees, and it's it's wonderful. And I'm I'm grateful for Advent. Because it, what it communicates about us as Christians, right? As Christians, we celebrate Advent because we're expectant and we're waiting for the living, breathing God to show up in new and powerful ways. Can I get an amen? I'm going to ask for some amens today. I know we're not used to it, but I come from the Pentecostal church, so you have to, which is a conversation. You've got to talk back to me. Hey, yes, Eric. I got a hallelujah. I love it. It takes me back to the DR. So... This Advent, this is the second Sunday of Advent, as we heard, is Peace Sunday. Now, I, I gotta admit, that's, that's a little bit ironic, right? Peace Sunday? I don't know about you, but I love Advent, and I love the Christmas season in America, but probably the last word that I would use to describe this season of December is peace, right? You have like, a million things to do. You have Christmas presents to buy, you gotta, you gotta make Christmas cards, right? So like, Go ahead and show that, Kai. We, we had to make this Christmas card. Saw, that's so cute, right? Yeah, but that was two and a half hours of pain. Okay, that took me four bags of M&Ms to get one, one good picture. And Addy is yelling the word poop. That's, right? Okay, this is not peaceful, okay? It's not, it's not, it's not serene and calm, right? Whatever it is, this Christmas season, it's not peaceful. And we, we do this in our Christmas carols, right? For instance, there's this song that we all know that always makes me think of this irony. Now, I love this song, and we're going to sing this song on Christmas Eve at the 4 and the 7 p.m. service. Don't worry. But it paints this really serene picture of Jesus' birth, right? And uh, does anybody know what, what song I'm talking about? I hear it. Silent Night. Yes, Silent Night. Good job. 500 points. Points are not redeemable for anything. Um, but, uh, so let's say, let's actually sing this together. Ready? Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Great job. Okay, yeah, that's great, right? Now, how many of you have been present for a human birth? <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, few hands. I would expect most hands. I'm going to be honest here. There's a lot of parents, grandparents, right? Let's look at those lyrics again. Okay, I don't know about you, but that is not the experience that I had when Joanna was giving birth. Uh, Mark, can we just roll that video? 
No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We don't, we don't, we don't have a video. I'm not going to play it because I don't want to relieve, relive that experience. <laughs> right? Birth is incredible. It's beautiful. It's powerful. Like I am so impressed with Joanna, with my wife, and all the women. I could not do that. I want 100% just say that right now. I would just say, just cut the baby out and give me some morphine. That's all I want. But women, you are impressive and incredible, but it's not peaceful. And I think this is kind of a natural human trait, right? We remember stories differently. I don't think it's wrong, but we remember these stories differently. And I just, I have a friend who just had a new baby and like a month ago and I saw him and his eyes were like just pure blood, just bloodshot. Like I was like, you probably slept 20 minutes last night. And I was like, how you doing? He's like, you know, you just forget how awful and tiring and difficult a newborn is. Or you just would never do it again. And I was like, yes, yes, that's true. Like, we're, cra- we're kind of crazy when you have a baby again because, like, you would just never do it again. So again, I don't blame Silent Night, beautiful song. We will sing it on Christmas Eve. But I think the story of Jesus' birth is often a little bit different than we like to tell ourselves and retell. And one story that doesn't get told very often in, in the Advent season is from the book of Matthew. So if you have your Bible, let's open up to Matthew chapter 2. We're going to put it on the screen here. And in chapter 2, verse 13, it says, When the Magi had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt. When Herod realized this, that, that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all of the baby boys in Bethlehem in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled, a voice heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Now that is a, that's a tough part of scripture. Right? That's not a, oh yay, let's, that's a fun passage to read. But, I think it's really important to read this stuff because we're, we're covenanters, right? That we start with two questions. And the first question, uh, the historical covenanters would say, how goes your walk? Right? How is your walk with Jesus? And again, 500 more points, who, uh, who knows the second question? Oh, is it, is that in Swedish? Okay, that's a thousand points. She's, <laughs> Jessica Wilgus, a thousand points, points not redeemable. Um, again, it's where is it written, right? Where is it written? We ask this as covenanters because we don't shy away from the difficult parts of scripture. We don't run away from the tough things in scripture. We sit with them. We wrestle with them. We disagree about them. It's good. But we ask ourselves, if this is in God's word, then, then why? And I think part of why this story is in God's word is because it communicates something really important about the expectations that the Hebrew people had for their Messiah, right? And it also communicates something important about God's kingdom and God's peace. Now, in order to understand this, we have to know what's going on in the world at this point. And in the world, we're in what's called the Pax Romana in this time that we're, we're reading here, from 27 BC to 180 AD. And you can see that section of the world, like pretty much the known world, was ruled by Rome. And Rome... The reason it was peaceful is because Rome just literally murdered and quelled and destroyed any sort of uprising. 
right? And so the person we read about in the passage, King Herod, King Herod, he's a puppet king. He's Jewish. He's king over Israel. But really, he's just been installed by the Roman government to basically just don't make any trouble. That is his whole role. He can take advantage of his people. He can steal, kill, destroy, whatever he wants. Just keep him from making any trouble. That's his whole job. And, and Herod is, is a really bad dude, right, in the Bible. Like, he takes his brother's wife. His daughter-in-law dances seductively for him. He cuts John the Baptist's head off and puts it on a plate. Like, bad, bad dude. And in this passage, he kills these newborn babies just because he's trying to kill Jesus. Now, this story, it's come to be known as the Massacre of the Innocents. And uh, it's an awful story. And it's part of the Advent narrative. So we ask ourselves, where is it written? Why is it written? And why would Herod do this? You know, why is he threatened by a baby? So we have to understand that the Jewish people here, they, th- they thought that their Messiah was bringing them, right? They, he, they thought their Messiah would bring peace and save his people and would establish a new government of justice and peace and righteousness on this earth. And we, in our Advent reading, we read in Isaiah 9, we can read this again, I'll read it for us. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on King David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Can I get an amen? Amen, right? When we read this now, we we know what this is talking about. This is talking about Jesus coming back, right? His return, his kingdom. But when the Jewish people in Herod, when they read this, they thought that their Messiah was going to set them free from Rome, from Rome, right? And he's going to set up a new government and they're not going to be oppressed or enslaved. And Herod, Herod doesn't want this to happen. Herod has a good deal, right? He's a bad dude. But he's got everything he wants, and he wants to keep Rome in power. Or else he knows that if the Jewish people rise up, the Hebrew people, that there's going to be his head on a plate instead of John the Baptist. So he knows that. So Herod is so afraid of losing his kingdom to a baby that he literally murders hundreds of babies in and around Bethlehem. It's terrible. It's awful. But like I said, this story of Jesus' incarnation, it communicates something important to us about God's kingdom and God's peace. And that's why, I think that's why it's part of the Advent narrative. He will be called Prince of Peace. And he will bring his peace to king, his peace and his kingdom and his government. And in this passage, and all of these passages about the Messiah, these words peace, government, justice, they're repeated over and over and over again. And now, what we know now, like I said that the Jewish people and Herod did not know, is that they weren't talking about Rome. These prophecies were talking about ushering in God's kingdom, right? Here and now. Not just heaven, but the kingdom of God. And and we're talking about the kingdom because when we see things repeated over and over in scripture, that's like really, really important to come back to. And the word kingdom and God's kingdom is repeated 33 times alone in the gospel of Luke. Like it's a big deal. And... So how I understand God's kingdom is that it's not, God's kingdom is not a place, right? It's not some other place we go to. It's not a government. It's not a country as somehow the, the Hebrew Jewish people believed it to be. Instead, God's kingdom is a redeemed, reconciled order. It's a new order whereby 
All of creation, every human being, all creation is reconciled to God, to one another, and redeemed. Right? This is, this is our eternal hope. Hope Sunday was last week. We talked about this is our eternal hope that God's kingdom would become more here and now and not just in the future. And this is what Isaiah is saying to us. Now, just like the Jewish people didn't understand what kind of kingdom Jesus was bringing, I, I don't think that we really understand this word, this little peace Sunday candle, peace. Right? When I, when I hear the word peace and we think of silent night, we think of sleep in heavenly peace. Oh, it's so beautiful, peace. But this Hebrew word for peace, it gets translated into peace in English, and that's where language it sometimes fails us. The word for peace and prince of peace is shalom, right? Hebrew, peace equals shalom. And we don't have we don't have an accurate translation for this concept of shalom. So some of the closest words we have is that it would be like wholeness, completeness, safety, again reconciliation. God's shalom is, is so much bigger. And when, and in Hebrew, when people say as a greeting, shalom, they're saying, may you be full of health and well-being. May you be complete as God made you. Whoa. That's, that's a little bit bigger than peace, right? That's not just like a calm, like Adirondack chair by a nice lake. <laughs> that's peace. Shalom is completeness. Right? It means God wholeness, God's wholeness and it means God's kingdom. So, we're going to be most whole, complete, living into shalom when we are partnering with God's shalom, partnering with God's kingdom in our own lives. So, I want to give us a couple steps. How do, how do we do this? First, we got to start with ourselves and we need to live into God's shalom in ourselves. You've heard, you've heard it said from a lot of people like hurt people, hurt people, or hurting people, hurt people. And that, that's true. When, where we're hurting, where we're broken, where we're not at peace and living out of those places in our life, we're, we're gonna hurt other people. And our world says to us, like the world around us says, we need to go and find our inner peace. Go look for your inner peace. But we're Christians. And Christians, yeah, sure, there's peace inside of us. But God's shalom is so much bigger than us. We don't look inside ourselves for God's shalom. We go to God for God to bring us his shalom. And I've heard this described as as a peace that passes all understanding, right? There's those moments. How many of you have been through a moment in your life where you've received peace that passes all understanding? Yeah, I know I have. I know I have. Um, uh, One experience that for me was kind of peace that passes all understanding was when Joanna was pregnant with our, our first daughter in the video, Addie. And we had waited just a really long time to have kids because Joanna was not ready when we got married. And let me just say this, all, all you people who don't have kids yet, wait for your wife. Wait for your wife. <laughs> don't be like, oh, we're just having kids. Not a good idea because we we had to wait patiently and I had to wait patiently until she was ready because it was in God's timing, right? And God gave me that peace that passes all understanding in that time. Now, 10 years went by. I had peace. My parents who were on the stream. They were like, we, our peace ran out a couple of years ago. <laughs> we want some grandkids. Same with my in-laws. Just kidding. They're great. They all waited patiently. But I can imagine. And side note, when, uh, you know, Joanna told me that we were pregnant. <laughs> She's like, are you really going to tell us? Yes, I am going to tell this. Um, 
when she told me that we were pregnant, she still wasn't really ready to have kids. So she was, you know, most of the time when you tell somebody you're pregnant, it's like this beautiful moment, I think. I don't know. But for me, it was just Joanna came up to me and I, she woke me up because I was up till like, I don't know, four in the morning at a basketball game. She woke me up, shook me awake violently and was like, we're pregnant. <laughs> and she just fell over crying on me. And I was just like, okay, I don't think this is, are we happy? I don't know. Like, I don't think this is supposed to, it's not how it is in the movies. And this makes me, this makes, but, but anyways, we have two wonderful children and it ended up being very happy. But it actually makes me think about how, kind of how Joseph must have felt. Have you ever thought about how Joseph must have felt in this story? I mean, how on earth was Joseph at peace, right? Like, can you, can you imagine Joseph? Mary's like, they're not married yet, right? And, and Mary comes up to him and she's like, Joseph, here's the deal. Babe, I'm pregnant. And I know this sounds crazy, but it's God's, <laughs> right? I, okay, other men in the room, are you you sticking around? You're like, uh-huh, babe. Yeah, okay, it's God's. Tell me more, right? So let's see this picture. Joseph, you know, and obviously Joseph wasn't immediately at peace, right? He, he was going to divorce Mary. It says that in Matthew. But he was going to do it. He was honorable, and she could have been stoned for this, right? If he would have gone one way. So he said, no, we're going to go honorably. I'm going to divorce her quietly. We'll just pretend this never happened. But God sends him an angel in Matthew 20 to corroborate Mary's story and says, this is true in his dreams. But you got to be joking me if he didn't have the peace that passes all understanding to then then take that vision and trust it and believe it. And you know that this is in the Bible, but you know there were people his entire life that said, oh, you know that Jesus kid? You know, that's not really Joseph. Like, right? You know that. The way people talk, the way people gossip behind other people's backs for his whole life. I'm sure of it. So Joseph had to, had to partner with that peace in himself. So we have to start with ourselves. And the second point that I want to give you here is that we have to live into God's shalom together, right? Like this, this is work we have to do together. Jesus gives us the example of his whole life to show us how to do this. And, and in John 13, 35, Jesus says this. He says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus is telling us to love one another, and just as he says that, that greatest commandment, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? So again, I was talking with, with um, some of our musicians about that, that well that we love each other out of. It is the same well that we love ourselves out of, right? And if you can't start with yourself, if you don't actually love yourself, if you don't actually make peace with yourself, do you think you're actually going to make peace with the people around you? you think you're going to love the people around you? That's the same well. So we start with ourselves, and then we do this work together, loving one another, giving ourselves up for one another. And this is how we live into God's shalom. If we do this right, we will do it like Jesus did by making ourselves vulnerable right? Vulnerable. That word in Latin, I think it's kind of nice to understand what it means. Again, I'm a words person. It means woundable. I think that's powerful. Where have we made ourselves woundable for the kingdom? Sometimes as people on the plateau in our nice little SUVs, right? (laughs) With our heated seats. (laughs) We're not always woundable. We're not always vulnerable. 
We have to choose to make ourselves vulnerable for the kingdom. And Joanna, Joanna and I call this being kingdom people. Just a little thing that God gave us a long time ago, kingdom people. And there's just, there's so many times in our lives when, um, we feel like we have to take the high road, you know, somebody goes low and we're like, ah, shoot, I gotta go high. Or somebody's like not being entirely truthful about something and we have to choose to be honest. I can't tell you how many times I go to the store and I buy something and the checker forgets a thing, like a major thing. And they just put it in and it's free and whatever and, I don't know about y'all, but inflation's pretty bad right now. And I'm like, hey, sweet. Just <laughs> save myself a little bit of money. But no, no, my integrity is not worth whatever that thing was because I'm a kingdom person. We're kingdom people, right? And so we say this, we say this to each other almost as an exhortation to call each other to be kingdom people. Amen, right? Amen. Um, we're called to live into God's shalom together. See, this world's peace, this world's peace, it is fleeting, but God's shalom is forever. Peace is fleeting, but God's shalom is forever. I want to tell a little story. Uh, A radio show I love called This American Life was playing uh, a Christmas um, story from a little kid and her dad named Jack Hitt, and she was about four years old, and... um, they started talking about Christmas. And I don't know, with little kids, right, when you're explaining something to a little kid, you got to get down to the basics, right? And so she was like, Dad, what's what's Christmas? And he wasn't a Christian, but he was like, well, there was this Jesus guy, and, you know, like, he said these great things, and he came as a baby. And so his daughter was like, oh, well, I want to learn more about him. He's like, okay. And he went and got her a Bible. They started to read through these stories together, which is beautiful, I think. Um, but... Then, you know, she, she asked more questions and asked about, you know, the golden rule, do, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And he shared all these stories of Jesus. Well, one day they were driving past a Catholic church. <laughs> and they, they, they pull up and on, you know, past the cross. And if you pass the Catholic church, Jesus, it's not like this. Jesus is still on the cross at the Catholic church, right? He's up there and he's in pain. And this little four-year-old sees Jesus on the cross and says, Dad, who's that? <laughs> and Dad's like, Ooh, we did not get to that part of the story yet. <laughs> oh, dang. Oh, shoot. Well, you know, that's that's Jesus. And she's like, what? That's Jesus? And he's like, yeah. And, you know, he he ran afoul of the Roman government and the leaders. And they they decided that what he was saying was too radical. And they, and they had to kill him. And she was just distraught. Little girl. just so, she, Jesus was her hero. She couldn't understand it, right? And so... They sat with that for a while. They got past that into the next season in, in January. And, you know, we get we get holidays. And so they had Martin Luther King Jr. Day off. And they're together. And she says, Dad, who was who Martin Luther King Jr.? And her dad says, well, you know, he was this, this American guy, you know, lived in the South, marched for peace and all these amazing things. And uh, he believed that, that people should be treated the same, regardless of how they look. And she goes, well, that, that sounds like Jesus, Right? And he's like, yeah, I, yeah, that kind of sounds like Jesus. I could hear that. I could hear that. And you ever see your, your child, the wheels just start to turn, right? And they're just like, huh. She looked at her dad and she goes, did they kill him too? Did they kill him too? See, peace, God's shalom is forever. And it is costly. It will cost us something. I've picked on a few Christmas hymns today. Sorry, Silent Night. Again, I apologize. You love Silent Night. But I can remember when I was four years old, 
at our Christmas Eve service at Faith Bible Chapel in Arvada, Colorado. And Dennis Connor, who I hope hears this, I love you, Dennis, sang uh, Oh Holy Night for the first time. And he has this incredible baritone voice. And I was also four years old. And he sang, The chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother. And in his name, all oppression shall cease. Right? I love that verse. That is my favorite verse of any song and pretty much any Christmas carol. And when he sang that, as a little four-year-old, I just started to cry. I started to cry. And my parents were like, what's wrong? And I'm like, and nothing was wrong. I just started to cry because that, that resonated in my spirit as a four-year-old kid. Later in life, I learned that, that, that that's something that God was calling me to, to be a person that, that sets the captives free, that breaks chains. And we can talk more about this. I don't have time to do this right now. But this song was written by Christians who were abolitionists, who set the slaves free. You don't hear that story in Hollywood. They don't want to tell that story, but I'll tell you it here. These were Christians, our brothers and sisters, our forefathers and foremothers who set the slaves free in this country. So, And at Pine Lake Covenant, we have a similar amazing heritage, right? In this very room, for a long time, we've had people who came here who took care of the sick, the vulnerable, the least of these. These were kingdom people that came before us. And I said a couple weeks ago when I was asking us to serve that um, being at Pine Lake Covenant, part of that is that we serve each other in our community, right? That's our legacy. That's part of who we are. And we say that our mission here is to find and follow Jesus together, and that's because we believe that the Spirit is already doing that work. God's kingdom has already come, and we are going to partner with where the Spirit is leading us. But let me just tell you that God, God wants to do this with you. God wants to do this in inviting us to do this with him. But his kingdom is going to come. His will is going to be done regardless of if you do it or not. Amen? Right? We know the end of that story. He's not on the cross. He's risen. He's resurrected. His kingdom is here. We're invited into that, but, but we, don't, we don't have to do that. I, I want to be a kingdom person. I want to follow the legacies of the people who have been here before us and been kingdom people before us. Because God's shalom is forever, but God's shalom is costly. You see, the Jewish people, God's chosen people, they expected a Messiah to bring peace through their government, right? Peace in, in this world. And King Herod was so terrified of losing his authority that he, he murders these innocent babies. And the Hebrew people, what they want, they want a king to ride up on horseback and lead them into a rebellion against Rome to shed blood for their earthly freedom. But instead, instead, God sends us the gift of a baby, the irony of a baby. And he will be called Emmanuel, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Amen. Amen, River. Who came to reconcile us, to bring God's kingdom to this world. Jesus, who would one day return not as a king, but as a fisherman from Galilee, not on a horse, but on a donkey, to bring us the gift of shalom, the gift of peace. I'll close with these words from Jesus in John 14. He says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Let not your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for bringing your kingdom, God. 
Thank you for bringing your shalom to this world, Lord. God, your peace, your shalom is forever, God. But we understand that it is costly. That we need to make ourselves vulnerable for the least of these. God, we, Pine Lake Covenant, here today, God, we say this together. We want to be kingdom people, God. Help us to partner with you. We, we say that we're here to find and follow you, God. Show us where your spirit is already leading. Show us where your kingdom is already moving, God. Where you're moving in our space, in our community. God, we give you this time and this space. We thank you for your words given to your prophets. We thank you for your son. We thank you for your peace. In Jesus' name, amen.